0: In the spirit of reconciliation, Herbert Smith Freehills acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and
1: extend that respect
0: to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.
1: What we've tried to do is distinguish between what you need within your organisation to be cyber ready and what you need as a board to make sure your organisation is cyber ready. And we think there's a difference. Uh, So lots of effort on it, but it's still yet to find its kind of equilibrium.
0: Welcome to On Just Terms. In this series, we look at the changing nature of corporate risk in Australia by speaking to the people at the front line of Australian litigation, who will shape the future of the Australian legal risk landscape. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Rigotti, the Managing Director and CEO of the Australian Institute of Company Directors. Mark is a former partner of Herbert Smith Freehills, where he led the firm as global chief executive. And among his many current roles, he's also chair of national children's charity, Red Kite. In today's episode, we'll discuss the changing risk environment for corporate Australia, building climate and cyber capability, and the direction of corporate governance in Australia. Well, Firstly, Mark, um, thank you for for being so gracious with your time and joining us on this episode of On Just Terms. We're really grateful. Thank you. Great to be here, Jason. Brilliant. Um, Now, this podcast series, we've been exploring uh, themes that you're very close to, including the future litigation and regulatory environments in Australia. We're in an unusual period of uh, development, at least in the litigious uh, landscape in Australia. We've seen several Royal Commissions. We've seen increasingly active regulators post the Financial Royal Commission. The class action market which we'll come to is not uh, not dampening. Funders emerging, contingency fees in one jurisdiction. It it feels to a person practising in litigation like a more litigious and difficult risk environment for corporate Australia, perhaps than it has ever been. Perhaps that if we were having this conversation five years ago it's much more significant than then. So I wanted to ask you. You've got a unique insight on this, both in private practice and now in your new mandate with the AICD. To sort of comment on how you are seeing uh, the risk environment in Australia more generally.
1: Yeah. Look, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a great point, and. It's definitely more risks, whether it's riskier, I guess, depends on context. And I think one of the things that we hear from our directors is there's just always new areas that they have to be thinking about. Things like ESG and cyber, and no doubt there's another one around the corner. So kind of balancing that with their traditional duties of monitoring performance and focusing on long-term growth with all these new areas comes in, in over the top makes it complex and um, makes it feel like there's more there's more risk to manage. And we'll get a bit of a feel on this. We're just Twice a year we go out with a thing called our Director Sentiment Index and we actually get a feel for how directors, how the director community are feeling about these issues. But my hunch is they'll say more risk rather than less risk.
0: Yeah, that, that completely resonates. I want to ask you about directors. J- just one um, interesting point that you've just triggered in me, which is, is your sense, uh, not, not just from your current role, but from your deep experience with boards that um, the balance between boards spending time on compliance activities, making sure they're complying with the law or regulations, as opposed to the more entrepreneurial, accretive of value, shareholder uh, return type issues, uh, I imagine most boards are spending a
1: lot of time on... At- they, they genuinely struggle with that. and. Um, I think there's probably a perception backed up by a whole lot of anecdotal evidence that, at least in public markets, that balance is out of kilter. The requirements are such that more time is spent on compliance than on creating shareholder value. And I think the way to think about that is something happens, event A, uh, and that promotes a reaction, you know, regulation A, then along comes B and you get regulation B, but it's actually the directors have to deal with the alphabet soup of regulation and compliance. Um, so I guess my plea to the regulators and government would be to consider the totality, not just all the individual things, which within their four corners make sense, particular, particularly to particular interest groups. That's a
0: great point. and And that's a nice segue into what all of that increased risk or more risk means for the immediate priorities for Australian directors? I imagine this is something you're looking at now as you to your new role. If you're stepping back on the balcony, looking over the landscape in Australia, are there particular priorities that you would say for directors in our country that, that need to be front and centre of, of their, their thing?
1: I think so. Um, the, the stakeholder capitalism model, I think, is being validated, so getting your head around what that means for the company that you that you're leading, that you're governing. And we issued a practice note on this which has had a record number of downloads just really practical kind of guidelines about how you take into account the various stakeholders that are relevant to the business you're you're looking after and then climate and cyber are the other two that we've identified this year they're they're probably the three that are front of mind Having said that, context is everything. So if we were joined by a director colleague today from a particular sector, a particular industry, I'm sure they would say there's other things on their mind. If there was an energy company here, they're probably worried about market pricing and various other things.
0: And some would be agnostic to sector. I imagine should go a class action risk yeah. Mark, the One of the major topics on the landscape for corporate Australia is how how we uh, in in Australia, but globally are adjusting to Mm cybersecurity risk. And and of course, Australia follows trends globally, and we're already seeing significant litigation offshore. Here's my question. There there seems to be a high high level of awareness of this area of risk. Uh, Possibly, I think the statistics show a lower level of preparedness within corporate Australia Mm -hmm. for dealing with the consequences. And we're going to have regulators far more scrutinous of breaches in that space, probably private litigation lagging a little bit behind just at the moment. I wanted to get your take on the Australian corporation's approach to cyber risk and where we sit in
1: terms of levels of preparedness. Look, I think through the director lens, which is probably what I can speak to, I think there's a feeling that everyone's gearing up. Uh, But what's coming to boards is technical and it's heavily jargon laden, and it really is management level preparedness or capability building. You need something a bit different at, the, at the, the board level, but everyone's everyone's finding their way through this. Certainly on the agenda, capability is being built, but it just takes time. It just takes time. And uh, we at the AICD are uh, issuing a, a report and some governance principles for cyber uh, in October with a, with a joint venture partner. Uh, so watch out for that. But what we've tried to do is distinguish between what you need within your organisation, to be cyber ready and what you need as a board to make sure your organisation is cyber ready and we think there's a difference. Uh, so lots of effort on it, but it's still yet to find its kind of equilibrium. That that sounds a little bit analogous to,
0: but perhaps we're more advanced in the climate space. Um, cl- climate risk, there's been a, a definite lag, both regulatory and, and I suppose private litigation and we're now seeing class actions move into that space. Mm. Um, It's probably good that we've got some legislative clarity around what our policy is going to be in Australia. Probably good to have certainty. Um, Again, stepping back, just getting your perspectives on how corporate Australia is responding to our move into a low-carbon economy.
1: Look, I think, frankly, corporate Australia is leading it. Um, Until recently, it's been well ahead of government on this issue. That's not a bad thing, but it's it's different to, say, the experience in, in Europe. And that has meant thinking about what you do I get a little bit of the advice and the thinking that's going on at the AICD is companies just need to be serious and really need to be careful about making ta- statements around targets if they don't have the, the capacity to, to deliver into it. Otherwise, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of greenwashing claims, and that's where the litigation risk will get will get crystallised. Um, the other side of it is is again it's around capability building. Um, there is a lag in building that level of capability at expert level, management level, board level. So again, we, are, we we're saying to our directors, you need to have enough understanding of the issues to know what's good and what's bad, but you're not gonna be a technical expert. Go and get the capability externally or build it internally. And are you seeing them reach out to, we're
0: leading, so I assume they are reaching out, Not not just to, subject matter experts, but also to their
1: legal teams
0: uh, to understand they, they, the risk matrix? They,
1: they, they are a bit, and I guess the other two messages that are coming through pretty clearly around what's best practice is, first of all, understand your carbon footprint. You know, this is not a marketing or a PR exercise. This is serious, and it's a long-term strategic issue. You need to be under under control, have under control. So understand your, your carbon footprint um, and and take it seriously. And the second thing is then integrating it horizontally across your organisation. You can't outsource responsibility for climate to the climate specialists. It actually gets integrated into a whole pile of things that make up the business. So good boards are really trying to get those two building blocks, those foundations in place. Mark, there's a um, there are theories
0: about the impact of this heightened risk uh, environment on the enthusiasm of directors to take board roles. Um, a popular theory which you might be able to debunk is that it, is class action litigation or the risk of, I guess, corporate governance class actions, shareholder class actions, uh, of such an impact that it's actually dampening the
1: enthusiasm of good candidates to join boards or is it something else that's happening there? Yeah, it's it's hard to be definitive. Uh, I guess as a generalisation, I think that uh, class actions and particularly securities class actions are not necessarily dampening um, uh, appetite for directors to take public boards on. Having said that, what does weigh into their consideration is the overall regulatory burden and the overall risk environment that they're stepping into. And there is no doubt it is a heightened regulatory environment and it's a heightened risk environment if you're on a public company board. Uh, so that is that is having an impact on choices that individuals are making about whether they go onto public boards or private boards, no doubt about it. Yeah, and relatedly, in, in part as a reaction to that concern
0: but I think the broader concern was the burden that class action litigation alleging continuous disclosure breaches was having on corporate Australia and, and, and their insurance markets. Yeah. Uh, we did see initially temporarily and then in a permanent way some relief being introduced into the into the continuous disclosure and misleading and deceptive mm-hmm. conduct provisions of the CORPS Act Uh, to introduce that mental element. It's got to be reckless or negligent before uh, there can be a private suit in respect of a breach. My take, I I haven't yet seen that have an impact on the kinds of shelter class action claims coming through the system. It's not a dampening effect in terms of just defending these claims, but you'll you'll have an even better lens on that.
1: Yeah, I think, well, the AICD for many years has been worried about Australia being out of kilter but with international standards because of our hair trigger Um, disclosure requirements and that that fueling shareholder class action. So the relief was very much welcomed um, and it was balanced um, and it felt appropriate in response to both COVID, but also the broader uh, environment. So we were supportive of that and we'll engage with the government on the review that's coming up early next year. I think that's good to take stock. Having said that, I'm not aware of and haven't seen any evidence that disclosure is worse because of the the changes that were put through. Um, The mental element and the the recklessness, et cetera, seems to be a sensible test. It'd be good to get some judicial thought on that in in due course, but that seems to be pretty sensible and pretty in line with what we see in other jurisdictions. So for mine, the changes were good and proportionate. And at the same time, acknowledging that class actions give a legitimate source of access to justice for those that might not otherwise be able to to avail themselves of that.
0: Mark, there's a word that as a litigator, uh, we did not focus on deeply uh, a decade ago, maybe even five years ago, which is culture, uh, although post Royal Commission corporate culture has become an extremely important aspect of risk assessment for Australian corporations as you know better than me and we actually are seeing private litigation where the allegations are based on the failure of the Australian corporation to create an environment that's consistent with good culture safe workplace free from bullying and harassment Uh, that's just one aspect of culture but I did want to just give you an opportunity to comment on Uh, in your new role, uh, the importance of corporate culture and and what is changing
1: in that space? Yeah, look, um, I I think the focus on culture is a really good thing, both from my past leadership roles. I've always thought culture was the important thing. It was Peter Drucker who said, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And we get a big focus on culture internally at AICD, but also in helping our directors try and develop positive, healthy cultures within their organisations. For me, it sort of boils down to three things. Uh, the first is, and it's like good health. Um, first of all, culture is important and you need to declare it. Uh, second is you've always working on it. You've always got to be tending to it and making sure the culture is healthy. And the third thing is is to focus on not best practice, but what's fit for purpose. What's the right culture for you at this point in time of, uh, for your organisation? And not, frankly, get seduced into what the latest fad or the latest kind of quotes best practice is. So they'd be my three sort of thoughts around culture, but it is important. And I imagine driving conversations in Australian
0: boards all the time at the
1: moment. It is. Boards are very focused on culture. It's something that they, and it's, it's a hard topic. You know, it doesn't come in a spreadsheet. It's not a number. It's actually something that you need to sort of dig into and you know, highly contextual.
0: Mark, I wanted to end on, and thank you for being so gracious with your time on this. Again, I'm only asking the big questions today, but if if we are sitting here in 12 months having a conversation about the AICD, I mean, as we sit here now, there's probably no more important mandate in our market than the work that the AICD is doing. Uh, in a number of respects, Um, but under your leadership, it'll continue to evolve. And if we get a second season of this podcast and we're talking about this in 12 months, the AICD, what's your anticipation of where it will move, how it will change, what it will look like?
1: like? Well, you will have done the course and joined. But our our purpose is to improve society through world-class governance. And it's just infused through the organisation. I've never been in a place which is more aligned around its purpose. It is not a director's club driven by self-interest. It's very much driven about making a positive contribution to all of Australia and all Australians through governance, through lifting our capability in governance. So in 12 months time, it'd be great if we can learn from when things go wrong, but we can also learn from when things go right and bring more of that sort of learning into, into, into the narrative around governance. Instead of being obsessed by what happened in the past around what went wrong, actually be obsessed about making the future by drawing on what went well. Well, Mark, thank you for, we miss you here at HSF, but we couldn't think of anyone better
0: to be you know, part of that leadership for the AICD. So, and thank you again for, for really giving us your time today. It means a lot. My pleasure. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud and visit our website, herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.